0: Man, it feels weird to start talking about Secession without just hearing that theme song start. <laughs> One of the best intro themes ever. <laughs> Oh my God, I love the theme song to Succession so much. It's uh, It just gets,
1: it's weird that it's instrumental, but it gets stuck in your head. Oh yeah. Now I'm a hardcore fan of instrumental themes like that. And just when I hear the tail with the drums at the beginning there, I'm just like, oh, it's time for some good stuff. Time for good stuff.
2: <laughs> it's the only theme that I actually watch. Like I, I'd never skip the intro for
1: Succession. Yeah. That and Stranger Things.
0: Yeah, you know, it's funny. I saw on a, somebody, I guess they were like running out of listicles to get their editors, their writers to do. They're like top five intros that you should never skip. <laughs> I was like, really? But secession was number one. I was like, okay, oh yeah, okay. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, it's it, it is pretty good, even though it's always the same. But that's you know kind of true of the show as well. If you by by that you mean everybody will continuously be trying to fuck each other over, and these are the world's worst people. And hey, you got to be one of those people who like shows about people who are to a person not a good person. You know, you got to like your Seinfelds and your Always Sunnies and Philadelphia's and your Breaking Bad's and your what have you to like a show like Secession. But you've also got to be interested in, I don't know, even though it's not technically speaking a political show because it's really sort of more corporate. Corporate is politics these days, I would say,
1: so. And and that's kind of a big theme of the show is the way that big business intermingles with so many different types of business and politics. It's just so Mm cross-pollinated. And I think that's a great... Angle that they address without having to like beat you over the head with it or to make it overtly Hmm. obvious. It's like, oh, yeah, you can kind of read into it how you wish, but there are clear sides that they're trying to pick as well.
0: We are talking about the third season of HBO's Secession, which has been a massive hit for them, huge Mm. success. And I didn't start watching it till the second season was already out and went, oh, this is what you guys are talking about. Yes, this is pure crack. I get it. (laughs) Like I said, you got to like the, oh shit, what shit are these terrible people going to do now? And also I think you got to like, to some degree or another, director Adam McKay, and I don't mean his Will Ferrell period of films. I mean more the stuff that he's done, like the big short, where you're examining the way that things are going wrong... By exclusively following the people who are doing the wrong things. Yeah.
1: <laughs> to be fair, he's been less involved <laughs> since the first season. Like, he's got that L.A. Lakers show he's doing now for HBO, which mm-hmm. is why Adrian Brody even showed up in the first place in this season. Yeah, oh, fair. Enough. Yeah, but it, that's one of the things where I think that he is a driving force, but it really is Jesse Armstrong, the writer, who's, like, the guy. You know, the thick of it, in the loop. That It's a it's, oh, a, it's a great fusion of them put together in that way.
0: I was going to say, if you like in the thick of it, this is, like, the natural next thing to watch oh, yeah. after that. <laughs> But joining me on this review is Justin. Hello, Justin.
1: If you guys see any unsolicited text messages your way, uh, just just don't read them.
0: <laughs> what? You mean, oh, yeah, I just did get something from you. What does this say? Mm-hmm. Oh, Justin! Oh. Justin! I, I just want to make the perfect pose of what Kiernan Colkin did this. He just like... Mm, I don't <laughs> need to see your Spider-Man 3 decked out PlayStation 5. That's <laughs> disgusting. And joining me also is Drew. I'm so
2: depressed that... The finale is already over. Like I just want want more of it already. I think I'm just gonna go back and. I don't know. Watch Game of Thrones or something. That's the only thing that really compares. It's, I mean, it's still, it's, you're, it's still a battle of kings, kind of. Yeah,
0: in its way, it's definitely a battle for the 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 Iron Throne. You know, in its way, who will run the corporation when Dad dies? I, I would
2: not. If I was one of these kids, I would distance myself as much as possible.
0: This is Game of Thrones if Robert Baratheon never died.
2: If he was just the big king shiz on the throne all the time. If like Baratheon just kept having strokes all the time. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And I think it's funny because, like, they, I don't know if they were sure whether or not they were this was going to be a show that kept Brian Cox on. Uh, and when they first started it, like, maybe they'll kill him towards the end, or, like Game of Thrones. <laughs> that it's like, oh, the real battle who takes over. But I think people realized, they er, realized early on, this show's not going to work without him. So now it's kind of, they, they've, in the third se- season, been like, look, man, like, this company's hurt by the fact that you're not doing anything to make up for all the shady shit that's been revealed that y'all been doing you're going to have to take a step back but who will step into your shoes so same thing just without him dead (laughs) i'm really glad
2: that brian cox didn't die in this i'm also glad another character you know Kendall didn't pass away in this but i i like that all those deaths are in play at least in this in this series
1: well because logan is the source of all conflict like if you don't have him you don't really have the threat that is so inherent in the show you, you need him as that constant evil and yet he's if he was only evil i wouldn't care about the show as much as i did you know he's not good but he has dimension to him absolutely to be clear
0: this is going to be a spoiler review because i figure anyone who is watching a review for succession season 3 is like has watched succession season yeah. 1 and 2 good. And- In fact, has already watched Succession Season 3. So looking to see if people agree or disagree with them. But for those who don't know, it follows the Roy family. They own the media conglomerate, Waystar. The Patriarch, the one who started it, Logan Roy, played by Brian Cox, is a real piece of shit. Uh, But he's good at doing what he does. There's the oldest son, Connor, played by, oh my goodness, what is his name? Alan Ruck. Alan Ruck, thank you, from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And then there is Kendall who is played by Jeremy Strong, who there was some controversy about him that I thought was kind of dumb. It was
1: really dumb. They essentially just took his words and repurposed them into their own version of the article, essentially.
0: Yeah. Uh, Then there's Roman, who is played by Kieran Culkin. And then there is Shiv, the one girl among the wolves here, who is played by Sarah Snook. You find yourself at times like on Team One of theirs, but the truth is, every time you start to like one of them, they're going to do something to make you go, oh, fuck, you are terrible, too. You're all terrible! (laughs) (laughs) You kind of love watching, waiting for that other shoe to drop. I feel like in some ways this season, the one that most I was going back and forth with was Kendall, who where you're still like, all right, dude, well, you fucked over your dad at the end of the last season, and that was kind of awesome, and now we're kind of behind this weird turn you're doing of like, yeah, man, I feel like a corporation should all be about, like, not about evil and hurting people, and you're, like, going, mm, we know this isn't coming coldly from a good place, because you're on a lot of drugs right now, and mm-hmm. you still just more than anything want to stab your dad in the back, but I agree with your point of view, uh, at least outwardly, but you know he's gonna fuck it up, and guess what happens? He fucks
1: it up. Yeah, that's one of those things where Tom, who's played by Matthew McFadden in this uh, show, he has a moment where he pretty much tells that to Kendall's face, just like, look, I know you're not gonna win, because you always mess up, and Logan never messes up. Mm-hmm. And you just like after seeing this is you're like that's some hard truth. <laughs> Honestly. I, I started kind of
2: playing a game at the beginning of the 3rd season. It was like, you know, when is Kendall on coke? And then <laughs> when is Logan kind of getting his faculties back? By the end of the season or even midway through, he is 100% back and Kendall is 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 really not as formidable as he as he seemed to be and you know at the end of season 2 it's such a great conflict you think oh, okay season 3 is going to be Logan versus Kendall that's going to happen it's all going to go down and then the first episode of season 3 is Kendall having a panic attack in a bathroom <laughs> yeah and then he, he even he he goes to his ex-wife's house and even has there there's there's one moment early in the you know the first or second episode where He goes into the bathroom and he looks at the male razor blades and has an issue. And that's when I think he's on coke. Because why are you looking at the razor blades when when you're you're in your wife's bathroom, your ex-wife's bathroom? Mm -hmm. Uh, So that that was already like a a very bad sign for Kendall, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's clear he's unstable. They want want to make no secret of that from the start. But, you know, he's kind of got everyone else in a full panic for the first half of the season, because fuck, he could actually win this thing. You know, (laughs) What, what do we do? And it's heartbreaking, kind of. When he's going to the rest of the brothers and sister, please come with me on this journey. Help. If we were all together, we could do this. We could take the company from dad and one at a time, they all kind of turn on him and then really turn on him. Uh, You know, especially uh, Kieran Culkin, who is gets the MVP for shittiest human being this season, I think.
1: And yet he had arguably his best season. Everything that we learned about him as a character it really added a lot of dimension that we hadn't seen yet from the previous seasons but also to reveal yes he is a very messed up dude mentally
0: yeah the degree of his darkness is much darker than we thought yeah. that no one i mean that i think his biggest problem is that in both a literal and a metaphorical way he can't keep it in his pants mm-hmm. you know like Everyone else kind of keeps plays their cards close to the vest. You know when he's going to fuck you
1: because he'll tell you he's going to fuck you. <laughs> and that's not good strategy there. I'm just going to tell you right now. I'm going to mess with you. I'm sorry. I've already decided I'm going to do it. I'm just going to give you the heads, <laughs> heads up. But he also shows his dick a lot. So. <laughs> well, that's,
2: one of the thing, that's one of the things that's so brilliant about this season, though, too, is that you you know early on when they all kind of the kids get together and, and, and say, like, hey, are we going to take dad on or not? They have a vote and Connor goes first and he's he's the firstborn and that, that kind of comes back at later in the season. But he goes first in that situation, if you remember. Like when they take that vote, when Kendall kind of asks all of them and it looks like it's going to happen and they kind of are, are going to agree to take over dad, Connor goes first and he says, no... I'm scared of the donuts. These might be poisoned. I'm not into this. So, and if you think if if Connor wouldn't have gone first in that moment, Connor would have come around, right? And and probably said, "Yeah, let's take over. Let's take over, Dad." And that that causes a huge wave that that ends up really hurting them in in the final moments of the of the you know last episode of the season.
0: And I would argue like more supporting players gone into full players this season. Nicholas Braun as Greg, hmm. the grandson of Logan's brother Ewan. Is given a lot more to do this season as he sort of is finally starting to figure out how this game is played and realizing, oh, I've got to be a complete evil son of a bitch (laughs) and starts. We watch the birth of an evil son of a bitch and most entertainingly with him finally starting to have attractive women look at him twice and figuring out how to do that. But even then, he's like, oh, look, I got this really attractive woman I think I couldn't get. Huh, what if I went for that princess instead? They're like, oh, 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 my dear. Greg's going to be the weirdest king of France. (laughs) Man, I was talking to a friend and saying, you know, I really hope this ends with the entire family line of her dying in a plane accident except her and he becomes, was it King of Luxembourg or something like that? I can't remember what it was. But then you have, Matthew McFadden is Tom, Shiv's fiancé and then husband, who also works for Waystar, who the season has sort of put his head on the chopping block to get in good with Logan, saying, well, if somebody needs to go to jail, you shouldn't be the, the fall guy for what's happened with the cruise line sexual harassment incidents, then it should be me. And Logan is, you know, one of those few times you can tell he is sincerely, wow, thank you, and I'll remember that. And this comes back around towards the end of the season where you're like, After it's clear that, okay, well, nobody's going to jail, as you thought. But, you know, at the end, he is the uh, one who's willing to turn on everyone else. And it's totally 100% Shiv's fault. Because Shiv has such a power trip over him and the fact that she wears the pants in that family that when they're having sex her way of getting off is telling him how he's just a useless piece of shit next to her i'm like going at that moment keep your eye on Tom, he's gonna fuck everybody this season
1: <laughs> yeah that was that moment when she said the thing and it was that that mean from the senses like here's the moment you can see his heart break into <laughs> and you're just like that was the moment yeah. that was the moment he decided he was going to screw them over <laughs>
2: I thought Tom was really going to have, t- t- you know, going to shine next season, but you know he he really, he you know, has has a, a lot of great moments. But Shiv's totally sets herself up. She marries Tom because it's the easy play and convinces him that him offering up to Logan as a fall guy is a, a genius idea, right? But then if you go back and watch the season again and watch Tom and Logan, they're playing everyone. You know, the difference is Tom is genuinely hurt by what transpires, and Logan is. Only empowered by it, Logan. Logan's the one that's, you know, he, he's he's seeing everything that's happening and seeing all the machinations going on, and, you know, he it's just kind of reaffirming, you know, the idea that all of his kids are shits.
0: Very true, and uh, he's a shit, so he should know. But man, I I don't know who else could play Brian Cox's part in the show. I really don't. He is just so distinctive. In his assholery. And I love the fact in real life, he kind of came off of his recently in an interview as a guy who doesn't have any fucks left to huh. give either. <laughs> Where he like called out all these other actors for, for, for being like not very good actors, like Michael
1: Kane and shit. And I was like,
0: damn, dude. He's like, yeah, I'm in my 70s. I don't give a fuck.
1: He's old. He's played so many <laughs> villains in his career, he's, he's earned it a little bit. <laughs> It's like, I was the first Hannibal Lecter. Fuck you. (laughs) I was William Stryker in X-Men. I was one of their best villains.
0: (laughs) So what do you guys think was the standout episode this season?
1: You know, I think Drew and I are probably going to be in the same thought. Because before, one of my favorite, like, maybe not my favorite episode, but my favorite bits was when Adrian Brody showed up in episode, I think, four or five. Mm -hmm. Just a great guest appearance from a guy I totally did not expect to see in this season. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. I think, if Drew, if you're probably going to stay with me, the final episode. The final episode is where everything culminated together to become one of the best episodes of any season I've seen this year.
2: Do you concur, doctor? I thought it was going to be, you know, Kendall's birthday party.
1: That's also a great one.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: That's mine. I'm not sure if I if I wanted to see the Jesus moment with with Kendall or not, but I'm glad that he that he passed on it. But yeah, I mean, I think my my favorite episode, I'm surprised, was actually the last episode. It really was. I, I was a very mm. very shocked by the by the ending as as all the kids were. I mean, I think my wife and I were both at our you know jaw gave by the end
0: of it. Yeah, it was pretty startling, but I will say that they spent a lot of time on Kendall's getting lower and lower and I felt like it felt a little dragged out this season that whole sequence. It didn't move as fast as the previous two seasons did and it, maybe it was covid reasons, maybe there's a lot less ensemble scenes because of that. It certainly seemed like there were a lot less ensemble sequences with the obvious exception of the party. Yeah,
1: the first Five or six episodes, I would say, are definitely COVID episodes. Cause definitely. Yeah. It, it felt yeah. like they were all in the boardrooms, hotel rooms, yeah. and it wasn't until they go to England where they actually like start to expand and put more, and then even Kendall's birthday party where you felt like there was yeah. bigger scenes and less restrictions on how many people were in the shots kind of thing. Yeah, they're like, it's the same eight extras over and over again just with different hats. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't imagine actually what the writers
2: were going through because they probably, you know, at this point you actually have to write a couple of episodes probably. You have to write the COVID episode and you have to write the big episode. And depending on what's happening, you kind of like shoot the COVID episode. And I feel like the yeah second or third ones, especially when, when all of them are just in a room together and Kendall. Kids' room that seemed like a COVID episode to me.
0: Oh yeah. Even so, that that made the final feel to me a little bit like a mid-final. You know, like this is the halfway point of a season, not the end of the season. It was a great episode, but it still was like felt like we should have gotten here quicker than this. And maybe like I said, that had COVID had something to do with it. But you know, it still was enjoyable all the way through. We got that much more characterization for these people. And with Secession, I'm all about that. I want to know more about who these terrible people are and how they got to be as bad as they do. I'm kind of surprised we're still not really spending much time with Alan Ruck's character. Like, he's always an outsider. I feel like that's going to change. Yeah, I mean, he wants to run for president. That's probably not going to happen, but who knows? Maybe they'll make a season about it where they're like, shit, he's actually got a solid shot at it. I mean... At this point, anything could happen next season, which I suspect won't be that far off either since they had a lot of time to sit and plan. But let's go to final thoughts. Drew, why don't you get us started? I don't know if you guys saw the Succession promotional poster looking at
2: it again after watching the final episode, but it shows that Greg and Tom are walking behind Logan, and then the kids are together on the other side, and they're giving each other, like, really evil looks, you know, which I—so I think— that was masterful just that they kind of already knew that that was in play. I'm
1: sure so, some fans would not say evil looks they were giving each other. If you
2: look back no. at they they look like like you're an asshole, you're an asshole. Okay. <laughs> this show for for the characters and the fans is not really about picking sides. It's about the hustle and love comes second or maybe even third or dead last. I mean, that's what I love about, you know, Roman's final scene too is that he's a dick through the entire thing. He doesn't really have an honest moment and then he Suddenly comes up and says, Love is not a playing chip. And it's it's so sad when Robin and and, and maybe his only genuine moment in the entire series tries to play the love card after what Logan sees as a total betrayal happening before his eyes. Mm -hmm. And I kind of feel what Logan's saying in that. It's like, you guys have all betrayed me. You guys are all idiots for the most part. And I also, I love how Kendall almost dies, but then they're suddenly playing Monopoly together. They are still children playing a board game. I thought it was masterful at the end. Really, really shocking. Definitely my favorite show on television. And it's one of those where Again, it's, you know, Chris, you said you didn't start till season two. Like when I first saw the premise for this, I was like, I don't want to see a show about billionaires. I don't give a shit. Yeah. And so, and I was hooked from the get go. So I would, I would give it five out of five, get out of jail free cards.
1: Justin? Yeah, I am so glad I got into the show too. My best friends were all watching it even before I started to get in. And then I saw we were doing this review. I'm like, well, good excuses any. And I'm glad I did. I thought this was really, really fun. I've just been so enraptured by these characters because- that's the thing is that if it was just people being awful, I don't think I would like this show very much. But they are bad people, and yet the writers behind this, like Jesse Armstrong and all of them, really get these characters. And they have such great dialogue, such great pacing of character progression and arcs. It They just have such a way to make you invest in their lives. Like, the fact that it is such a huge hit just really speaks to the volume of how much good writing can make you overcome any kind of thing like, oh, this character's a dick or a pervert or a weirdo kind of thing. I don't have many complaints this season. I mean, you know, spoilers, I already put this on my top five list for best seasons I saw this year of TV. But if I had to complain is that, yes, the early episodes are definitely COVID, which I would say... I like those a little bit better having seen other shows like Why the Last Man where it was clear COVID sabotaged the entire season of that show. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, yeah, that really, really hurt it. I still wonder why they even have Hayam Abbas still around in the show where they do so little with her throughout the throughout the story now. Like, I think she had only like three episodes that she was notable in this season. Hmm. I get what they're doing, but I don't understand why they're doing it the way they are where she's just like, hey, I'm here and I'm gone. Bye. <laughs> Pretty much every scene. <laughs> So, yeah, that's the thing. I I, I just want to see whatever the end goal is for that, if there isn't even one there. But it's great. It's some of the best writing on television right now. It's some of the best acting on television right now. Matthew McFadden really just launched himself to the forefront of this whole show as, like, my favorite character. But every character is great this season, except for... Freaking Shiv, but that's more for I just hate her so much, but she's such a fascinating person (laughs) kind of thing. Wow, really? She's the one that you pick out as the hateable one? (laughs) Look, Logan is, you know, the the king the evil king at the castle, but the way that Shiv, you know, just belittles Tom. It just hurts to watch. It just hurts to watch when she does those things. And that was the point where I had that breaking moment when she said that thing to him in the second last episode. I'm like, You did it, you messed up, you messed up big time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> but, yeah, this is great. Uh, it's funny. It's dramatic. It It's just such a great time. One person who I also didn't mention, along with Adrian Brody for a great guest star, Alexander Skarsgård shows up for the last two episodes, and he's mm. really good in this. I, I, I Both of them I want to see more next season. If, if any excuse to bring him back, I would just love to see more of their characters. Skarsgård will definitely be back next season, I think. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's got he a very significant role coming up now. So, <laughs> But, yeah, I think I would give this it kind of waffled between two ratings, but I'm going to go with nine out of 10 imaginary cats. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. i it'd be hard for me to pick a most evil character or favorite character. I mean, it's also good. The best character is the people sitting in the writer's room because Mm -hmm. they just write sparkling dialogue that you're just like, sometimes you have to rewind it because it's one of those people are talking so fast and they're talking very smart and sometimes about things I don't know a lot about. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, oh shit, I got to pause this and like Wikipedia something to figure out what the hell like this type of corporate thing is they're speaking of because I have no idea. (laughs) So I understand what's going on, but you don't necessarily need to most of the time it's there if you do understand things on that higher level b- and you want that but ultimately you get the gist of it you don't really need to yeah it is pure pleasure though it's pure gold it's become my water cooler show when i'm at a press screening there's certain other critics i see that the first thing we say to each other is like dude you see secession this week <laughs> <laughs> and we just talk about it oh my god like literally one of my friends this after the last episode I said, just looked at him and he looked at me and we knew we were about to ask about secession. And I just said, I fucking win. Said, yes, <laughs> <laughs> So great. I love Brian Cox so much. I think this is terrific. It's not going to be for everybody. And I 100% get, if you've tried this and went, it just didn't appeal to me. Cause this grabbed me from the very first 15 minutes of the first episode. I was like, wow, this is good television. If it doesn't grab you... Hey, not everything is for everyone. That's fine. But for those of us, it is for, man, this is top-notch viewing. I am going to give this season, although I don't think it's as strong as the first two, and I think that that's, like I said, largely because of complications with COVID, I'm going to give it eight and a half out of ten least romantic wedding
1: proposals ever. Aww. You know, I'm going to say that, that I am happy the way the Connor and Willa story has been turning out so far, because I was kind of like, I don't know why we're still doing this, but it really turned around this season. Do you think so? Because she just seems like she's at that
0: point, she's kind of exasperated, but is going along with it because I just want to see how this plays
1: out. (laughs) But I kind of like that. I love the fact that she's like, you know what? I was kind of against this at first, but she's the audience now. She's like, I just want to see where this goes. You know what? Screw it. Why not? (laughs) I wouldn't be
0: surprised if at the end, she ends up being the one who, like, turns secrets on everybody. (laughs) Like, the surprise witness for the FBI or something against the family. I'd be like, hell yeah. You get it, girl. (laughs)